The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. What was the purpose of the cross? It was a mode of execution. If you wish to follow after me, pick up your hangman's noose and follow me. Pick up your electric chair and follow me. The cost of discipleship can be high. We in America have been spoiled. Because rarely do we have to pay that price to follow Jesus. And yet it was not a surprise to God when that happened. God picked this time in history when that was the mode of execution. And he chose that time and that method for you and for me to follow him. The cost of disciples is high. But it wasn't a surprise. God the Father's plan for Jesus was not an afterthought. It wasn't a plan B because the salvation of Israel didn't work. It was planned, predicted, and delivered as prophesied because Jesus was truly the Son of God. Jesus was predicted through the Old Testament, but just in, just in the Gospels. In Matthew 16, right after Jesus asked the disciples, but who do you say I am? When Peter made his great declaration, Jesus said in, in verse 16, 21, he says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. What business model has the owner being executed and suffering? What church growth model has the pastor suffering? What political intrigue model has the leader suffering? It doesn't. And Peter understood this, and he says Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. He said, God forbid it. You need to think positive, Jesus. These things shall never happen to you. And Jesus, what did he say? He said, get behind me, Satan. You got the things of man. That's the worship of God, the things of man, not the ways of God. God doesn't do things the way we think they should be done. He doesn't pick the people we think he should pick. Because he sure to heck wouldn't pick me. confounds the world by who he picks and the methods he uses. Currently in the world, one of the countries with the, the biggest growth of Christianity is Iran. 
where it is illegal for a Muslim to be converted to Christ. It is illegal to a witness to a Muslim, both on penalty of death, when people are being executed. And yet more Christians have come, more people have come to Christ since 1979. Remember your world history? 1970, that was the year that the Khomeini came into rule and then had American hostages for 400 and some days. More, more Iranians have come to Christ since 1979 from the beginning of Islam until 1979. And it's not on CNN. I don't understand. Or Fox or any of the others. <laughs> but Jesus knew this. He predicted it. He, he started telling the disciples, this is going to happen. And Peter tried to say, no, 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 Jesus, that ain't, that, that ain't the way it's going to be. But Jesus didn't stop there. He went up on the Mount Transfiguration. He comes back down. And he says, and while they were gathering together in Galilee, Jesus said to him, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he'll be raised on the third day. And the disciples were deeply grieved. All this negative thinking, Jesus. Power of positive thinking. Come on, Jesus. Even as Jesus was healing people, that was right after he healed a, a, a boy who was demon-possessed. Right after he came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He, he went and he spoke parables about the kingdom of God is like. Yet then you get to Matthew chapter 20. Verse 17. They're on their way. They're in Jericho or near Jericho. They're on the way to Jerusalem. And Jesus says, in, in, in 2017, Jesus says, as they were about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside by themselves, and on the way he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, because it was uphill to get there, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. And will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. So he did the prophetic thing. He's talking about himself in the third person. But he gave more details. He said the Gentiles are going to be involved. Well, who were the Gentiles in charge of Jerusalem? The Romans. The Romans loved crucifixion. You know, that whole thing about cruel and unusual punishment? They took that as a badge of honor. The more cruel and the more unusual, yeah, it's a deterrent to crime. And think about it, Jesus was executed between whom? Two thieves, not two murderers. They were being executed for stealing. And Roman citizens couldn't be executed that way, only foreigners, even slaves, could be executed that way. And that's what Jesus did. He had the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He spoke parables. He spoke, he, he confronted the Pharisees numerous times and the Sadducees and the scribes. And they tried to, you know, get him to slip up and say something that would make the crowds mad at him. But they refused to arrest him. Because why? Because they were worried about the crowd. They were worried about men more than they were worried about God. So how did they arrest Jesus? In the middle of the night. When they had to have help. They had to have inside information. 
that was not a surprise to Jesus. He knew it was coming. He knew it was there. And finally, the culmination. In Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, starting in verse 33. When they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a, of a skull. And they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting, he was unwilling to drink it. And he didn't want any painkillers. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him, over there, over him there. And above his head, they put a charge against him that read, "Tread." This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads. And you who were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you were the son of God, come down from the cross. And in the same way, the chief priests also along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him, if, him now. If he delights in him, for, for he said, I am the son of God. So they're quoting, they're quoting scripture back at Jesus, just like Satan did in chapter 3, chapter 4 of, of Matthew, when Satan tried to tempt him, using scripture against him. The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. So even though one changed his mind later, at the beginning he was insulting him. And now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. We would call that afternoon. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabatini. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words from Psalm 22. Jesus was quoting scripture. Those are, those are words of King David. And you read Psalm 22, and don't stop at the first verse. You keep going, and you're going to see a description of Jesus on the cross. And how many hundreds of years was that written before Jesus was actually there? God knew what was going to take place. This was not a surprise to him. This was his plan. Verse 47, and those who were standing there, when they heard it, said, this man is calling for Elijah. They, they misheard him. They thought he said, he said, Eli, Eli. He thought he was calling Elijah instead of saying, my God, my God. I mean, Jesus had been up all night. He'd been scored. He was probably dehydrated. He was hungry. He was tired. You know, he was physically hurt. So his enunciation probably wasn't the best. Can you imagine? So they didn't hear him well. That's okay. Matthew knew it. Others knew it. Verse 48. Immediately one of them, I don't know who them is, ran, taking a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the rest of them said, Let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Jesus chose when he would go. 
You know, in in, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, it is finished. That's what he said with a dried voice. It is finished. And at that moment, Matthew records something that the other Gospels don't quite record. At that moment, behold, the veil in the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. And tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. Even the Gentiles recognized that there was something special about Jesus. There's something different about this man. This is not how people die. They die whimpering and cowering, begging for mercy. They die with anger, spinning venom and curse words at people. They don't die and say it is finished at the point of their death. Jesus didn't die like everyone else did. Because he knew he was going to die. This wasn't a surprise to him. Our deaths are probably going to be a surprise to us. We don't know when or where we're going to die. Some people kind of know that you, you kind of learn to win, and when it comes close, if you have some, if you have cancer or something else that's that's slowly eating away at you. You may have a few minutes to know if you have a great injury and, and, and life has gone out of you, and you may have a couple minutes, but you didn't know that before it happened. But Jesus knew from his birth why he was coming and why he was going to be here and what was going to happen. And he did it anyway. Because in the infinity, in the infinity of God, his omnipotence, he could see each and every one of us on that day. How is that possible? Well, I don't know. God ain't us. Time is nothing to God. God has infinite bandwidth to hear our prayers. No matter how good internet have we have, we can still clog it up. Remember the computers I had back in the 80s? They ain't nothing compared to what we, we still, I still have to wait on them. Because we put more stuff on them. God has infinite bandwidth. And so we can turn to him. If he can face this, what can we face knowing that we have heaven coming? We have heaven coming. What is anything that happens on this earth compared to heaven? Even if you live to be 100 years old and have the most miserable life possible, Painful medical conditions and people turning against you and all kinds of stuff that can, anything that can go wrong does. You live, you're a living embodiment of Murphy's Law. And you live to be 100 years old. What is that to an eternity in heaven? How many of the tamper tantrums you had when you were two and three years old do you remember? I don't know. There was something that was very important to you at that time, and you threw a temper tantrum. A shadow was following you. You couldn't. Ha- Mom wouldn't let you put, put your hand in the hot oven. 
wouldn't let you touch something that was hot, you know. No, you can't put the fork in the, in, in the outlet, you know. And you threw a temper tantrum because she wouldn't let you do it, all right? It was important to you at the time. That's why you threw a temper tantrum. Your world was small. All worlds are small compared to God. All the things that we get worked up over, including me, I get worked up over stuff all the time. At least that's Sonia. It ain't nothing compared to God. It ain't nothing compared to heaven. So help us to have an eternal perspective on our lives. That whatever suffering comes is, is nothing compared to suffering of Jesus. It ain't nothing compared to the eternities of heaven. God the Father's plan for Jesus was not an afterthought. It wasn't plan B. It was planned, predicted, and delivered as prophesied because Jesus is truly the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all your mercies. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. Help us to turn to you in our trials and our troubles, and our pains and our agonies, because you are the holy God, and you hold our future in your hand. And so we pray all this in Jesus Christ's holy and precious name. Amen.